High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. We're going to be continuing this series that Dad started uh, last week called Put On Your Armor. Put on your armor. Uh, How many know that God gave us a spiritual defense system? You weren't put on earth and then just made helpless to the whims of the enemy and what he wants to do in your life. Do you realize the enemy has a plan for your life? God's not the only one with a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan of the way that he would like to see you go and a way, a road he would like to take you down. And unfortunately, a lot of times believers, uh, we, we, we can sometimes get trapped in this thought that because we're saved that we have become Im- completely impervious uh, to the attack of the enemy. But I've been a believer essentially my entire life. I, I joke, I was born saved. Anybody else born saved? All right. It wasn't an option. If, if you weren't saved, you were going to get saved and then be sent on your way to meet him in heaven. Amen. Some of y'all, that wasn't your upbringing, but I've been saved basically my whole life, and I've been a believer my whole life. I got filled with the Holy Ghost whenever I was four or five years old, Um, and I've always been involved in church, always been involved in ministry, and guess what? There's been times and seasons where the enemy has shown up and wanted to attack me. A Bible-believing, tongue-talking Holy Ghost filled, shouting believer. Just because you're saved and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean the enemy doesn't show up at your doorstep wanting to eat your lunch. He will still show up in your life. But the good news is God gave you and gave me a spiritual defense system. There's an old saying that the uh, in in sports that the best. The best offense is a good defense. And sometimes it said reverse, but a lot of times the best offense is a good defense. One of the best ways for you to be offensive against the enemy is to utilize the defense system that God has given you and not allow access for the enemy to come into your life. Now, the armor that God gave us, the defense system that he gave us, Uh, that he gave us is uh, comprised of different aspects and different weaponry within the kingdom of God. And I want you to understand something. Those pieces of armor and of weaponry that God gave you were intended to be used to destroy and annihilate the enemy. I'm going to say that again. What God gave you was intended to be used to destroy and annihilate the enemy. I really sometimes think in Christianity, at times we have, and and this is the reality, people are prone to swing pendulums to extremes, okay? So there have been seasons where the church has swung a pendulum one way towards an extreme devil conscious, devil under every bush, right? Everything's demonic, The devil's going to get you and made it to where the enemy is stronger than he actually is. Okay? Don't misunderstand me. The enemy is a defeated foe. He's still just learning that he's defeated. The news hasn't caught up to him. The notification hasn't gone off on his Twitter yet that he's been defeated. 
right? So there's at times this pendulum that the devil's everywhere. He's going to get you. He's big, buff, bad, and you better watch out. But then at times we swing the pendulum this other way where the enemy is almost non-existent, not operating, not doing anything, not operating in the earth. And there is, we need to walk in balance, right? Jesus said, narrow is the road that leads to life and few there are that find it. Oftentimes we take that and simply apply it to salvation, but I believe it's actually a lot broader than that. The way that leads to actual flourishing is a narrow road. And the reason it is narrow is because you have to walk it with balance. And when people don't walk with balance, they fall off of the narrow road. And we can fall off of the road in a lot of ways. And a lot of people fall off the road when it comes to warfare versus passivity. They fall off the road where it comes to warfare versus peacemaking, and they, they don't know how to walk in balance. So I want you to understand this. We as believers are called to be peacemakers. Amen? But we are also called to be warriors. How do you reconcile these two thoughts? It's really simple if we want to really get down to where the rubber meets the road. We are called to be peacemakers with our fellow man. Amen? And we are called to be warriors against the kingdom of darkness. And you cannot treat the enemy how you're called to treat your fellow man. And you can't treat your fellow man the way that you're called to treat the enemy. They are two separate things. So sometimes what the church does is we get in these roads where we want to treat everybody just peace, peace, peace. And including the enemy. And then other times we get in this thing where we just want to go war, war, war against the enemy and everybody else we come into contact with who's not like me, thinks like me, acts like me. And you know what the narrow road is? The narrow road is I'm going to love my neighbor as myself and I'm going to kick the devil's rear end where I'm going to be peaceable with mankind, but I am going to get aggressive against the forces of darkness. And I, I, this is something that's just been stirring in me. I really feel like we need to get our attitude back a little bit when it comes to the enemy and not allowing him to just come in and do whatever he wants. Let me let you in on a secret. It's okay to not like the devil. It's okay to not be okay with principalities and powers. It's okay to get a little bit angry <laughs> and when the enemy shows up and tries to do something in your life or your family's life you don't just have to take it lying down God has given you spiritual weaponry to go against the forces of hell to storm the gates of hell to overcome the gates of hell and to live in victory in your life you don't have to take it laying down all right you can fight against the enemy we're going to read this in a minute in Ephesians chapter 6. So in fact, let's just go ahead and read it. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His might. It's not your might. I'm not strong in my might. I'm not strong in my righteousness. I'm strong in his might and in his righteousness. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I'm going to say that one again. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not your problem. I know we've said that a lot this month already, but I want to reinforce it to you again. People are not your problem. Amen. But against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Stop there. Finally, my brethren, put on the whole armor of God. Or excuse me, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that he's able to do what? Stand. That word stand there literally means to oppose. To oppose. You were called to oppose the enemy. You were not called to be a bystander in the opposition between God and the forces of darkness. You were called to stand opposed to them. I said this a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning. Like it or not, the moment you got saved, you were drafted. Like it or not, the moment you got saved, you were drafted into the army of the Lord to fight against the powers of darkness. That was part of that. That is part of the ministry of every believer is to be a warrior in the army of God. Once again, not against people, against principalities, because we've really gotten it confused a lot. Here recently, there's been a lot of confusion. People are not your problem principalities are the problem and the problems you have with people are one of two things. Either God's trying to work something out in you that doesn't need to be there or there's a principality that's motivating what somebody else is doing but even then you're fighting what's behind them. You're not fighting them. You're fighting a principality. You're fighting a power. We are commanded to stand in opposition to anything the enemy is doing and we cannot say this. Well, just must be God's will. Well, must just be God's will that my family's all jacked up. Well, must just be God's will that I'm sick in my body. Well, just be God's will that my kids aren't saved. I heard a theologian say one time, I use the term theologian generously. Heard a theologian say one time, if God's will is for my son or my daughter, to die and go to hell, then that is for his glory and blessed be the name of the Lord. And I said, not my son, not my daughter. That's not my father. That ain't my daddy. It's the will of God that all should come to know him. That all, you know what all means in the Greek and the Hebrew? It means everybody, all y'all. Your grandma, nephew, aunt, uncle, everybody. Doesn't mean a few. Doesn't mean one or two. I saw a guy, I saw another article. One guy said one time, <laughs> this was on a very popular uh, charismatic website, said, I really think there's probably only about 100 people in heaven right now. <laughs> and when I die, it'll be 101. And it wasn't said tongue in cheek. This dude just thought that the bar was so high that only about 100 people of the billions 
that have lived on the planet made it, but he was going to be one of them. And I said, bro, if that's your position, you're probably one of the least likely people to make it than everybody else. But you got some arrogance you need to work on, man. But here's the thing. You can't just take this position of, well, just if it happens, it's God's will. If it happens, it's God's will. It must just be what God intended. That, that, that will produce spiritually lazy and lethargic people. Because if everything that just happens is God's will, then why do we engage with anything? If everything that just happens is the will of God, why pray? If everything is the will of God, why worship? If everything that happens is the will of God, why witness to somebody? If everything that happens is the will of God, why do anything? Why does God compel us to action if just everything that happens is his will? The reality is God does nothing in the earth apart from moving through people that he has called and destined to be ones who are his voices in the earth, the church. We have to be activated. And when the enemy shows up, it's not just a priest. It's not predestined whether or not you're going to win or you're going to lose. There is a, let me put it this way. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you a, a little better example of this so I'm clear. God has always called you to win. Amen? But just because he's called you to win doesn't mean that you always win in every situation. It is partially responded upon, dependent upon the way we respond and react in the midst of situations. How many believe God has always called you to win? Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. But how many of you have had some situations before where you felt like you didn't win? Let's be real. We've all had situations where maybe we felt like, and, and, and maybe it wasn't the end of the story and we felt like it was just the end, but God had victory for us. But sometimes if we don't begin to engage in the battle, we can end up losing a battle, not because that was God's will, but because we didn't engage in the fight. Are y'all with me? So I, I want to give you tonight quickly six reasons to put on the armor of God. Okay? Y'all give me just... A little bit of time. First one is this, and this is, sounds a little bit redundant, but it's truth. First one is this, God commands you to. And if God commands you to do something, you better do it. God doesn't tell us to do things for no reason. He doesn't tell us to do things just because he feels like it. God has a reason for everything he says. And you have to understand, God will not put it on you. You have to put it on yourself. You have to put on your own armor. You have to dress yourself. Now listen, whenever you're, whenever you're a, a, a young believer and you're first saved, maybe God will help you put your armor on. But if you've been saved for 30 years and you still need to wake up in the morning, have God put your clothes on, you need to get unstuck and grow up. I've got a 13-year-old, be 14 in August, and there is no way on God's green earth that I'm putting his clothes on for him. If he came to me and said, Dad, will you put my clothes on? I would say, did you hit your head on something? Why in the world are you asking me to put your clothes on? Now, I also have a three-year-old who will come to you and wants you to do everything for her because she's three. And we have a lot of people who have been saved for 30 years that act like they've been saved for three months. Put your own armor on. You shouldn't have to wait to come to church for the, for the worship team or whoever's preaching or prophesying or doing whatever to put the armor on you. 
for you to be ready. You should come ready. You should come already armored up. You should come ready to engage. You should, listen, there should be, I don't know how to get off on this. There should be such an expectation whenever we come in to worship together because we are not a church full of spiritual babies. And if you're here on a Wednesday night, you are especially somebody who most of the time is a little more spiritually mature. And we should have such a level of expectation to where you don't have to get somebody up here to charge you up. And by the third song, you're finally ready to go. You should come in ready to go and it should be light a match and the place explodes because there's so much expectation in the room because you didn't wake up going, oh, I can't believe I've got to go to church today. You should have woke up going, I get to go to church today and see the people of God and worship together. Can you worship at home? Absolutely. But listen, there is a synergistic power that happens whenever we worship together. And there's this, there's this multiplied effectiveness in our worship whenever we begin to worship and we begin to pray and we begin to praise together. Listen, let me get back on my... Put your armor on. How do we do it? We put the armor of God on through understanding and through revelation of that which has been given to us and that which is rightfully ours. You have to take a deliberate action to put the armor of God on. And if you have to, get up in the morning and read Ephesians 6. Get up and read it. And just in your spirit, man, just envision yourself putting on the armor of God. Because in today's world, you better armor up. In everything that's going on in culture and society, you better armor up. And everything that's going on in the church at large, you better armor up. Because if you don't, you're going to get got at some point. The enemy's going to find a way in to your life. I'm not trying to scare you or anything like that. Use fear tactics. But the reality is the enemy doesn't like you and he's looking for places to get in so you have to armor up next thing is this this is what's really important is whenever you wear the armor of God what's it called what's it called the armor of God it makes you look like God that's why it's called the armor of God not the armor of the Christian the armor of the believer it's the armor of God if you were here Sunday I talked about this briefly how whenever Whenever Saul sent David into battle, right? Or, or was when David, let me back up. When, when David was going to fight Goliath, Saul wanted to put his armor on David. It wasn't because Saul was deeply concerned about David. It's because the king's armor bore a special insignia that whenever he wore it, everybody knew that was the king. And everybody reacts differently to the dude who's wearing the armor with the insignia of the king. I want you to get this. It's called the armor of God, and it bears his insignia. And unlike Saul, who was trying to put his armor on David for nefarious reasons, God is putting his armor on you so that whenever the enemy looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees God through you. He sees God in you. Whenever you go to war and to battle against the enemy, you're not fighting in what you've done and your standing and your righteousness. You're standing in his. You're standing in not your authority, but in his authority. This should be enough reason to make us want to really put on the armor of God. Because listen, I don't want to fight on my righteousness. I don't want to fight on my word. 
not to get ahead of ourselves for another week, but if you scroll, if you, if you look, the scripture uh, begins to talk about the sword of the spirit. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I would rather fight with a sword that is his word rather than a sword that is my word. Because my word might look not as great as the word of God, but his word is powerful in every situation. There has never been a situation where his word has not prevailed. I'm going to say it again. There has never been a situation in which his word has not prevailed. And his word will prevail in your situation. That's why you have to take up the armor of God because whenever you begin to stand in his armor, it's not you that's fighting, it's him fighting through you. The breastplate of righteousness. I'm not fighting in my righteousness. Paul said all his righteousness was as filthy rags. And Paul was pretty smart. But my righteousness pales in comparison to his righteousness. Are you all with me? Next thing. I got to hurry up. Next thing is this. That you may, may be able to stand. We put on the armor of God so that we can stand. If we don't put it on, we'll fall. We'll fall. This is even a, 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 a phrase we hear used about people. Well, they fell. Well, they fell into sin. Well, they had a fall. Speaking of somebody who begins to topple over, spiritually speaking, and begins to go down a road they should have never gone down. You know, when we put on the armor of God, it'll prevent you from falling. It'll prevent you from going down places you weren't intended to go. And the reality is most people don't, people don't fall into sin. They walk into sin and then eventually fall. It's not that you, they failed to put on the armor one day. It's that they didn't put on the armor for a long period of time and walk down a road they should have never went down, and then they ultimately fall. Where it says, having done all to stand, stand, that word stand literally means to abide or to continue. To abide or to continue. I think about it this way. We put on the armor of God when we get saved because... The salvation experience is not the pinnacle of the Christian experience. It is the beginning point. It is not the pinnacle. So this for imagine if the zenith of your life was the day you were born. That'd be rough. You don't even remember it. But a lot of times we make the zenith of the Christian experience the day we get born again. The day you get born again is an initiation. It is not the mountaintop. It is a starting point. And you should go from glory to glory and faith to faith. And one of the ways you continue in an ability to do that is you armor up. You put on the armor of God. I was thinking about this even, you know, in uh, over the past, um, oh Lord, 15 years now. Over the past 15 years, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been, has gained popularity. I think it's probably the biggest movie franchise of all time at this point, as far as money made. And over the 18 billion TV shows and movies they've made, the very first one they made was Iron Man. And it's really interesting. Uh, I know I'm not just talking about the MCU. Y'all hang with me for a second. And in every movie, uh, every Iron Man movie, Avengers movie, wherever Iron Man showed up, Tony Stark showed up, he had upgrades to his armor 
in every single movie that he was in. He had something new that he had been equipped with. And there was always a, something where an enemy had something that he had never seen before. But guess what? He had the answer because he had already leveled up. Let me say this. I think sometimes, and y'all hear the way I say this, we need to level up our armor to a new level. We need to, we need to, to take it up a notch. In other words, you should be growing to a point that, that you spiritually might need a new set of armor that has some upgrades on it. It's a little bit stronger than the previous one that you wore before. That has some experience that maybe you didn't have before and lets you go to places that you've never gone before as you continue standing, right? You'll be able to stand whenever you wear the armor and you'll be able to continue. Next one is this, to prevent you from being deceived and tricked. It talks about standing against the wiles of the evil one. That word, word, that word wiles there literally means trickery. The CEV actually says to be able to stand against the devil's tricks. New Testament says that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. And I thought at times that may be the biggest faith statement in the word. If you've ever met people, because sometimes people are, seem to be very ignorant of the way the enemy works. But newsflash, the enemy is not using any new tricks. And you know the primary thing that the enemy uses? Deception. It's the very first thing he used in the garden. Everything he did was about deception. The enemy lies. He is a liar and the father of all lies. And he will lie to you. And whenever you wear the armor, it begins to put up, begins to put up a wall that keeps the voice of the enemy out from deceiving you. And if you haven't read dad's books on voices, you need to read them because there's a lot of voices. I would say this even, I believe even putting on the armor begins to even protect us from the voice of the flesh that will lie to you. You know that your flesh will lie to you? Your flesh will lie to you? Your flesh doesn't always tell you the truth, but your spirit man, when it's attuned to the Lord, will tell you the truth. But you have to, the enemy will lie to separate you. This is one of the primary things. It is, it is the thing I see people fall into the most is they believe the lie of the enemy that separates them from people that God called them to be linked with, places God's called them to be, and it causes them to go astray because they listen to the lie of enemy, the enemy rather than the voice of the Father. They listen to the voice of the enemy and the voice of the accuser and listening to the voice of the enemy can look like a lot of different things. It, it, it can be like you're not accepted there. They don't actually love you. They're just putting up with you. There's not a place for you there. Are y'all with me? And you have to put on the armor of God so you stand against the lies of the enemy. They're going to find out about what your past from five years ago. And nobody there is going to have, want to have anything to do with you. The lie. That's the lie of hell. And you can't allow the enemy to deceive you and trick you. Because hear me, believing the lie of the enemy will rob you of destiny. It will rob you of purpose. It will rob you of peace. 
and it will rob you of destiny. Put on the armor so you're not deceived and tricked. Give me two more and we'll be done. So it also seems evident, but it's just true. And that is to win in warfare. We are not wrestling against the enemy so we can lose. God's intent is that we crush the enemy. We start teaching the kids this from a young age in, in kids' church. We have the Faith Force. If you haven't seen the Faith Force yet, it's a great group that we have in kids' church that are there every week, live characters. They're basically superhero characters, superheroes of faith. One of them is named the Incredible Judah. He's a giant lion who wears a mask and has a muscle suit. And he's pretty goofy. But Judah's, all of the heroes have a, have a catchphrase. They all have a catchphrase. And Judah's in kids' church is Judah, crush enemy with praise. I won't do it because it'll destroy my voice. Um, <laughs> ask Micah. Every time we have to record something in the faith force and I've got to do the Judah voice, I cough for like two days because it's just gravelly. But the Judah, Judah says, Judah, crush enemy with praise. We start teaching the kids as soon as they can go in kids' church. And also we teach them before. Even because kids are smarter than you think they are. We start teaching them then that the enemy is intended to be crushed, which means this, you are intended to win. God's intent is that we crush the enemy. The devil is defeated. He is under our feet, but we do still wrestle against him. It's now and not yet. He is, he's been defeated and he will be defeated. Amen. The enemy is defeated in your life. And understand that, well, I'm, I'm, I'll be careful, but understand that, that not everything that, that we face can just be explained by some natural occurring circumstance or some scientific uh, um, debrief. There are legitimate demonic activity that happens in people's lives that they need freedom from that they need liberty from, and that the enemy needs to be crushed in their life. God's not called you to be in a losing battle. He has called you to walk in victory. His plan for you is victory. You were not intended to lose. You were called to win. You were called to crush the enemy. Sometimes I think we're going to make the adults start doing Judah crush enemy with praise just so we can get that really inside of us again that you were intended to win and to crush the enemy. Last thing. Last thing is this. Spiritual longevity. That you be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. I mean, I'll just stand, stand. The GMB says it this way. So put on God's armor now. Then when the evil day comes, you will be able to resist the enemy's attack. And after fighting to the end, you will still hold your ground. Let me put it this way. That at the end of the day, you haven't been retreating. Right? But you've been advancing. I don't believe you're just called to, to hold the fort either. Right? To just hold on to what you got. 
You've been called to advance and take territory for the kingdom. That you're called to take territory for the kingdom of God. That you're called to, to see people healed, saved, delivered, set free by the power of the name of Jesus. That everywhere you go, that everywhere you go, that every place that your foot is even sets down, that God's giving it to us as a, a kingdom inheritance. There are a lot of people today that they don't, they don't make it to the end. What do you mean when I say that, Pastor? They may go to heaven, but they don't make it to their destiny and their purpose. And I don't want to just make it by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to stand before the Lord and him go, you loved me, you believed in me, but I had so much more for you. But you didn't withstand and you didn't have longevity. I've said this before, but the race that we are in is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And you were called to have longevity. You were called to endure to the end. And those who maintain their armor will people are the, are the ones who will still be standing after the dust settles. I'm not in this to be a flash in the pan. This body is not in this to be a flash in the pan. We're going to make it. Come on, somebody. I said, you're going to make it. We're going to make it. But one of the ways we're going to do that is we are going to put on our armor and we're going to stand. I'm not just standing for a day, a week, a month, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I'm, stay, I'm standing until he comes or I take my last breath. Whichever one happens, I'm standing until. And I refuse to let the enemy take territory that I'm called to take. I refuse to let him take territory that we're called to take. I refuse to let our county be known as anything but a county for the kingdom. I refuse to let our city be known as a place of crime and drugs and problems and issues because that's not the plan and will of God. The plan of God is for us to take territory. God didn't put us here just to be a bless me club. And for us all to come in and go, I'm glad we're not like them. Aren't we great and aren't we good? God's called us to expand and to take territory, to see regions changed and transformed by the power of Jesus because Jesus actually has the power to transform things. I'm going to say it again. A lot of you should really amen that because he's transformed you a lot. And if Jesus can transform you, he can transform regions and areas. And I believe God has called this region and this area to be transformed and made into his image and into his likeness and be a bastion for the kingdom of heaven and not somewhere that people look at and go, man, it's kind of sad what the state of things are. Hmm? Or everybody go, remember when Hurricane Michael came through and how rough it was. God's called us to overcome. And we have overcome and we are overcoming. And we will continue to overcome in the days ahead because we are not in this for the short haul. We're in this for the long run. We're, we are ultra marathon runners. And we're going to put on our armor and we're going to run the race. And we're going to finish because we are going to be consistent. We're going to wear our armor. We're going to keep putting it on. And we're going to keep putting it on. And we're going to, and every day, we're going to wave and say, I'm putting on my armor. I'm putting on my armor today. And I'm going to overcome. Will you stand up to your feet this evening? Will you lift your hands to heaven?
hope you got something out of this tonight. I just want you to pray with me tonight. Say, Father God, I thank you tonight for the armor that you've given me, for the weapons of warfare that you have given me to overcome the enemy. Lord, I declare tonight that from this day going forward, I'm going to wear my armor. I'm going to put away passivity. I'm going to put away lethargy. And I'm going to advance. And I'm going to war against the kingdoms of darkness. And I'm pulling down strongholds. I'm pulling down principalities. And I'm waving the sword of the Spirit tonight. And enemy, I'm coming for you. You can't have my family. You can't have my kids. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my finances. You can't have my city. You can't have my job because we're marked for the Lord and for the kingdom. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I give you praise. I give you glory tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, can you glory to hand of praise? Can you give him a shout of victory tonight? Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.